namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sangang namasami so this is a reading from the Numerical Discourses on Gudra Nikaya, Book of the Tens, number 61. And uh, so it is called Ignorance. Because this is said, a first point of ignorance, because is not seen, such that before this there was no ignorance, and afterwards it came into being. Still, ignorance is seen to have a specific condition. I say because the ignorance has a nutriment. It's not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for ignorance? It should be said the five hindrances. The five hindrances have a nutriment. What is the nutriment for the five hindrances? The three kinds of misconduct. Three kinds of misconducts have a nutriment, non-restraint of the sense faculties. Non-restraint of the sense faculties has a nutriment, lack of mindfulness and clear comprehension. Lack of mindfulness too has a nutriment, What is the nutriment for lack of mindfulness and clear comprehension? It should be said, careless attention. Careless attention. What is the nutriment for careless attention? It should be said, lack of faith. Lack of faith too has a nutriment. What is the nutriment for lack of faith? Not hearing the good Dhamma. Not hearing the good Dhamma too has a nutriment, not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for not hearing the good Dhamma? It should be said, not associating with good persons. Thus, not associating with good persons, becoming full, fills up not hearing the good Dhamma. Not hearing the good Dhamma becoming full fills up lack of faith. Lack of faith fills up careless attention. Careless attention fills up lack of mindfulness and clear comprehension. Lack of mindfulness and clear comprehension fills up non-restraint of the sense faculties. Non-restraint of the sense faculties fills up three kinds of misconduct, which fill up the five hindrances. Five hindrances becoming full fill up ignorance. Thus there is nutriment for ignorance and in this way it becomes full. I say that true knowledge and liberation have a nutriment, not without nutriment. What is the nutriment for true knowledge and liberation? It should be said, the seven factors of enlightenment. Seven factors of enlightenment too, I say, have a nutriment. 
what is the nutriment for the seven factors of enlightenment, it should be said the four establishments of mindfulness. What is the nutriment for the four establishments of mindfulness? Three kinds of good conduct. Three kinds of good conduct have a nutriment. should be said restraint of the sense faculties. Restraint of the sense faculties. A nutriment is mindfulness and clear comprehension of which the nutriment is careful attention, of which the nutriment is faith, of which the nutriment is hearing the good Dhamma. And what is the nutriment for hearing the good Dhamma? It should be said, associating with good persons. Just as when it is raining and the rain pours down in thick droplets on a mountain top, The water flows down along the slope and fills the clefts, gullies and creeks. These becoming full fill up the pools. These becoming full fill up the lakes. These becoming full fill up the streams. These becoming full fill up the rivers. These becoming full fill up the great ocean. Thus there is nutriment for the great ocean. And in this way it becomes full. So too, associating with good persons, fills up hearing the good Dhamma, and so on. The seven facts of enlightenment coming full, fill up true knowledge and liberation. Thus there is nutriment for true knowledge and in liberation. And this way they become full. Anyone? So, once again, we see this uh, hallmark of the Buddha's teaching. You know, moves from seemingly fairly mundane, you know, hearing, meet, being with good people. Maybe that's not so uh, common, um, but definitely planted on this this earth to complete knowledge and liberation. Notice the movement is like a filling and a flowing. So you really feel, saturate, linger, drink in, absorb, take in fully. And that naturally by itself swells and rises and leads to further on. Just contemplate that that process. It's very much, you know, you can't put a timeline on these things. It's just drinking, drinking, drinking until it it fills up and you know it, it you're aware of the filling and then the movement that it inclines toward. And quite obviously, I hope, one associates with good. Yeah, That's a nice word, simple word, but uh, suitable companions, friends, uh, people. It gives one's faith, one's heart is inspired. This is our basic book of life, the learning book. Mm. Fundamentally, the most important things that we learn are from other people, not from even really good books. 
where you get ideas, but the learning is with other people because of this. It's it's coming through embodiment, the body language, staying with for a long time, noticing what they don't do, what they do do, feeling heard, being able to ask questions, feeling met, uh, being corrected. Other people can see what you can't see. They can't. You can't see the back of your head. They see bits you don't see. Both in terms of areas where you're getting it wrong, and also in areas where you're not acknowledging your own goodness. It's one of the uh, features. that um, certainly become my, my experience uh, by large people uh, often don't see the most their most precious qualities they don't see easily their habitual tendencies because they're in them mm. and they're in a personality which may have lost touch with citta. So he may be very good at a job, whatever it is, a profession, him get praised and promoted and seen as excellent in that. It's not, it's not doing, it's not satisfying pieces. One can feel pretty good and you know, getting good rewards and, and yet feel pretty hollow. And it's not that you're not doing good things, it's just that that doesn't really count <laughs> too much, you know. It counts if it's avoid, making you avoid misconduct and not getting into harm. It does count. But what really counts is chitta. Um, and many people lose touch with their, their primary spirit heart. I'm using the word spirit cautiously here, just to recognize it's not just one's emotional patterns I'm talking about. So we may, and you may have experienced this, I don't know, certainly I've experienced it being you know, praise for certain things that that seem fairly easy to me to do, you know. Uh, And then one's happy to do those. And people praise and you realize it's not, nothing much is happening, just feel slightly embarrassed, that's all. And, well, so what? Then maybe somebody sees you, says something very simple like, you have such sincerity. You know, oh. And, and something touches you. Oh, wow, that's the bit I didn't see. I saw that I was quite good at turning up on time and doing the duties and whatever my functions were. But I 
nobody, I didn't notice that I had a sense of sincerity and care for people, which may have been obvious, so obvious that people didn't remark upon it. You don't see it. You don't see integrity, you see. One may not see these qualities because the person doesn't necessarily deeply in touch with the chitta. Because it's so obviously these things mount up. The more one is outgoing and doing things and the more people are relating to that aspect of your functioning and your purpose and your roles and duties. Yeah, and the, getting it right, perhaps, yeah, it's good, good job, did well there. But it's still somewhere else. And simple qualities... And then, but when you you hear those things, or somebody points out that in yourself which you didn't really see, your heart changes, heart rises, different mode. I don't know if you have these experiences. You know, people say you. You're really good at what you do, and da 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 da, and then something says, "Yeah, but they don't know the the bad side of me," or something like that. You know, or or you, you kind of shrug it off, or it doesn't seem to go anywhere. And then the the, uh, the good good people are those who can help you to see yourself, help you to see your chitta. That to me is is really pretty crucial. And see also where it's obstructed, compulsive, constricted, blinded, and encourage a way out of that. So this is certainly not blaming the person, criticizing the person. It's uh, all these... uh, what one gets from good people is not, I mean, you can of course have personal, hopefully personal, you know, trust and warmth and so on. But then uh, that which encourages a shift into what one does lose touch with, so vital. This is the learning, and the words are not that difficult to understand. Kindness, faith, mindfulness, you know, there's all kinds of virtues that we have. But then, if they just aren't taken on a personal level, there's always a feeling of how much mindfulness, and how good am I at this, and, you know, do I have better samadhi than I, you know, so it's always taking persons, it's measuring rather than just a dwelling in that in that faculty. The chitta doesn't operate in terms of time or space. It doesn't say you had five mindful moments yesterday, <laughs> which the person might very well do. You weren't very mindful over when you're cleaning cleaning up after the meal. That's what the on a personal level, you say, I was quite mindful in the hall, you know, I lost in my mindfulness completely when I went outside and I was banging around and dropped this down the other, no mindfulness. And that remains, a you know, mindless idiot, you know, doing a thing. And all that 
there's a certain truth in that. <laughs> that the mi- faculty of mindfulness did slip, but this doesn't help. In the jitta, we just notice this is the experience of mindfulness or kindness when it's present. This it feels like this. So it's, you realize it's always there in the Dhamma field. It's just that you, you drop into it and, and you drop out of it. And sometimes you linger in it and sometimes things cause you to, cause your, mind, your awareness your, to move out of that. You just move out of that. And so recognizing these potentials that we have, we can drop into, we can touch into, and recognizing we also can slip out of them. Hearing the good Dhamma is the fundamental um, um, benefit of associating with good persons. And as I say, we can get these things from ideas from books, but the really good Dharma is maybe five words at the right time, in the right manner, to remind us, you know, you don't need this. That is, that is not yourself. That's, that's a condition that's, that you could put aside. And also this is how you could do it. That, uh, that uh, habit of, of restlessness or something, that habit of worry, is not uh, a beautiful responsibility, but uh, a restless agitation. And this is how you could put it aside. These practical tips for skillful means, this is the, you know, how do you put aside worry and restlessness? Well, practice careful attention. Attend to the non-worry. Attend to that which is stable. Attend to space. Attend to earth. Attend to the elements. Attend to tissues of the body. Attend to walking. And tend to signs, qualities, features, anywhere that settle and steady. In doing so, one cultivates careful attention. With careful attention cultivated, you get there's the possibility of right. That's what there is to attend to. Establish your sati, your mindfulness on that, and clearly comprehend, be aware of how that, what causes it, what supports it, what causes a skillful quality to decline. And doing this as a, st- as a kind of, you know, a way of being, what causes skillful, and do you notice when it's declined? Are you able to recognize hindrances? Maybe may not come up immediately as hindrances, may come up as as uh, plans and strategies, which are often a sign of agi- anxiety and as- agitation. Not necessarily so, but they can be that. Mm. 
So we have to comprehend, be attuned, aware of, the, of what's happening. Mm. Careful attention then gives you a frame of reference whereby you can notice this is a skillful quality and this is when it declines. Then this is an unskillful quality. You can manage that. What causes that, what triggers that, what causes that to decline. non-restraint of the sense faculties so the sense of uh, of all the sense faculties the the most uh, powerful one is the mind faculty mano manindriya manindriya the supportive faculty of cognition thought goes into a lot of speculation Interpretations, misinterpretations, conceiving, construing, uh, reading other people, imagine that he's this and she's that, and they're that and I'm not. This construing is what and what's it? Uh, what's it? Where is it? What's it doing? You know, it's just—is it doing anything that's really uh, supportive? Um, through non-restraint of this, um, three kinds of misconduct. Three kinds of misconduct on verbal, which includes written and thought, even thinking, speaking writing, all that, uh, in, in, in ways that are misguided, deluded, uh, slander, gossip, accusations, and so on, mm-hmm. corruptions, mm-hmm. so these are verbal misconduct, heart misconduct, lingering in and retaining heart inclinations that are to do with uh, unskillful qualities such as obviously greed, hatred, delusion towards oneself, towards others Um, heart using the chitta to store up negative impressions of oneself and others which I've got this fascinating phantasmagorical quality to them and and then the bodily misconduct is when we act upon them primarily and how does one know misconduct in the heart how does one know the misconduct of the verbal verbalization which can seem so lucid and and clear and statistically accurate because the heart is not peaceful and happy and clear how do we know if the heart is not peaceful and happy and clear when it is absolutely this is this and I feel that and I'm never this and I'm always that and he does and they don't and really strong opinion arising and emotions arising that flush the body how do you know that because your body is not settled and relaxed and 
fully established. This is where I would recommend this training in somatic attunement because the mind is so powerful and capable of delusion, misinterpretation, bias. There is nothing more harmful than such a mind. And clearly, though it's very harmful, if we look around in the world, we see all these actions that are done by people. uh, And and probably, for the large part, they, they feel they're doing the right thing, the appropriate thing, the necessary thing, the just thing, the thing they have to do, the thing to make themselves or other people safer, better, warmer, the righteous, the proper, the appropriate thing. And they don't, you know, and they're very impassioned about it too. And the stronger the passion is, the more convincing it is. So you should recognize this sign. I feel really strongly about this. I feel really strongly about this. I feel so strongly about this, I better not believe it. Is this a dis- then you should dis- make a decision based upon passion. Yeah. What about something you could be dispassionate about, like mm-hmm. yeah, measure, how's this, how's that, check it out, contemplate it, uh, talk about it with, with other people if, necess- if need be. How do you think about that sound? And they say, oh, you know, you really worked up about that. You know, you really, maybe you just need to you know, calm down a bit. Or take, take a break. You're seeing it. You're, you're seeing it in a very biased way. And uh, you know, that's great when you have good friends to help in that way. Who listen to your passions and concerns. Don't blame you for having passions and concerns. may even feel you're right. But right now, that is not the right energy to be using. Just because you're right, it doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> you know, it just means you may be correct, but you're not in the right state to act upon that because there's too much. That energy rushing out will just cause harm, disharmony, dissension, resistance, counteraction. Just wait till you can step back. If you can't step back from it, you shouldn't step into it. <laughs> you know, if you can't st- stay out of it, you shouldn't go into it. Because if you if you don't have that freedom to to around conditions, if you don't have that freedom around conditions, right? What's that mean? It means there's clinging. There's personhood, and it's very likely a strong personal bias. The person is essentially based upon a bias. If you can't step back from it, you shouldn't step into it. (laughs) And that's the way it is. You cannot blame anybody. You 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 only can see things in your own perspective your own conditioning, your own culture, your own... That's what you got. You can't see it. 
other than that. So it's always biased. But then there is the possibility to step out of that, step back from that, to a degree anyway. Check it out and keep reviewing and reviewing, particularly action occurs in the field of self and others. So when we're acting, we've got to at least bear in mind action affects others. Are you so absolutely sure other people are the way you think they are? Are you so absolutely sure that other people exactly, this is just really what they want and need right now? Has anybody asked you? Have you asked them what they wanted and needed it? <laughs> or do you feel you're just going to go and set them straight? You know? And so this sense of real negotiation, uh, cross-referencing. And this feels like this to me, feels like that, feels like this, feels like that. I'm really quiet, this, that, and the other. How about you? And it's that sense of just leveling. Because when we act, we act in a dualistic world. There's other, going to be other people. I mean, sense of this fundamental resonance with other humans, at least, and getting some sense of what's what is skillful, helpful at this time and place. And if we cultivate that as a some possibility. We could at least begin to guess what. Other creatures need and don't need. Probably don't need to be killed, <laughs> chopped down, uh, and so forth. It doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. Yeah. And yet. So there it is, these three kinds of. Um, Misconduct and three kinds of good conduct hinder around um, restraining the mind, restraining the opinion, restraining the passion, restraining the urge, restraining, not not criticizing, just checking it. And how is that? And using the body to help to discharge and level. And we say, it seems to me it's like this. Check it out. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And what do we feel is best? The biggest number, the widest span that we can take into account in this time. This must be the road to good conduct. That's to be filled up. That is to be filled up. Being full establishes the four establishments of mindfulness. So we come up again with this one. Now in the negative... um, 
sequence of this, the four establishments of mindfulness don't even appear. <laughs> so it seems if the three kinds of misconduct are filled, then it goes straight into the five hindrances. If the kinds of good conduct are sustained, they go into the four establishments of mindfulness, which seems to indicate that if you don't, if the misconduct is sustained, there's no establishment in this respect. It just isn't there. Is that powerful? <laughs> it's not even mentioned, it's just not there. It just goes straight into hindrance. Which, of course, if we reflect upon ourselves in those, in those passions, in those moments being swept away, when I said the wrong thing, pushed the wrong button, uh, then yes, this just goes into uh, qualities of ill will, aversion, greed, passion, um, indifference, laziness, casualness, and leads to regret, doubt in oneself and others, Mm. restless agitation. So when this is occurring, when restless agitation, ill will is occurring in oneself, about oneself or about others, this hindrance, this is is misconduct. There is not mindfulness and clear comprehension in regard to has not been placed properly in the mind, over the mind, and over the mind in reference to the body. So we see the four establishments of mindfulness. We have body, feeling, jitta, or the states that affect the jitta, and then the dhammas, the sequence, the analysis of skillful and unskillful factors. Mm. And uh, what I would suggest with the four establishments is not one, two, it's like they're, in, they're nested in each other. And the big nest is the body. Within that, being embodied, one feels feelings, one, one, is, one is able to sense jitta because you've got something that is right there with it. Embodiment, somatic uh, area, is the jitta. You know, that, that's its embodiment, that's its embodied aspect, an energy aspect, uh, vitality aspect, a sense of presence. Yeah, so we're referring to that, then feelings, you're able to see more clearly the mind, the states that affect the mind, because you're in this domain. And there is no domain without mindfulness of body. As it said, I think I might have begun the retreat saying there is no establishment, there is no path to the deathless, there's no lose access to the deathless if you don't have mindfulness of body. Proper skills are not established without mindfulness of body. Uh, many times, repeatedly. So, you know, if you stay within that, you'll notice that which is touching and affecting you now. It is discernible at how your body, how your somatic presence is being fluttered, agitated, brightened, 
soothed, and so on. So you're contemplating citta as it manifests in this domain, because this is the domain where it does manifest. Notice we're not practicing mindfulness of thought. It's not an establishment of mindfulness. It doesn't mean we're not aware of thought. It means we're aware of how thought affects our citta, or doesn't affect it, or masks it. You don't establish mindfulness of thought, you establish mindfulness of jitta in order to... What, what, which of those thoughts that you read and hear and chatter about, which really touch you, which really stir you? And you can read a book and, and then maybe one phrase, oh wow, and we're listening to somebody talk, and, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then something they say goes, oh, you get one or two words. In your own verbiage, your own inner narratives, yada yada, just daydream or wandering, and then something charged arises. So, there, there's where it is. So, in scanning thought, you want to find out which thoughts, which thought processes, which streams of thought, which topics stir the chitta. How much of it is just static, just crackle, just radio noise that you needn't really give much attention to? And which bits are relevant? That which touches the jitta because you feel a shift and a stir. That's in your, through mindfulness of body, you feel that. So if one is cultivating this right ways of conduct, it does fill up. Because you've begun to sense how you can know, really know, without opinion, judgment, I just sense this is not this is unskillful this is stressful this is compulsive this is not for my welfare I get it So these, this four establishments then fill up the seven factors of enlightenment, which begin with first, if you're probably aware, sati, sati sankata, mindfulness of conditioned phenomena, double vijaya, analysis, investigation of what are dhammas, what are these pertinent factors that touch the heart, energy, rapture, Steadying, soothing, calming, concentration or unification, and equanimity. Seven factors. Mm-hmm. If there's mindfulness and clear comprehension, and then we investigate dhammas. Dhammas are a word coined to refer to those moments where something strikes the jitta. It's not an abstract analysis. We could say everything is a dhamma in the sense it's, you know, wood is a dhamma, clocks are a dhamma. But with these, you're attuning to the nature of the phenomena that strike the heart. And this is always then pertinent to the accumulation of suffering and stress and the liberation from it. to, to, To even know what these dhammas are, we have to have mindfulness and clear comprehension. Otherwise, we've just got ideas. 
about ourselves or you can list the you can list the factors, you can list the injuries, you can list the hindrances, you can run through these lists. I think you know it. And you haven't actually touched the heart. To know them in yourself. That takes mindfulness and clear comprehension. Some pajano, direct pajano, directly sensing, thoroughly directly sensing, thoroughly directly knowing. This is the, uh, uh, then these factors to Dhamma Vijaya, to handle them, to, to, to know their nature, conditioned nature. Arising and passing. So it's often the case that, um, you know, we seek affirmation from a book or a teacher or a system. Have I got jhana? Am I this or that? You know, am I halfway stream entry, toe in the stream, wading through the stream, the other side of the stream? Am I near half a jhana, first jhana? One and a half jhanas, two jhanas. How many more to go? Or do I change gear? Things like this. And, you know, with, with certainly a degree of aspiration and energy, but where are you going to find the answer to that? Why do you need the answer to that? Why do you need the words? What do you think the words will do? Uh, so, but if you look into the heart and see the qualities there, are you comfortable? Are you steady? Really steady? Really comfortable? Clear? Is that good? Skillful? Do more of it. What supports it? What causes it to decline? What gives rise to doubt? You're trying to conceive the inconceivable. You're going to be in doubt. Trying to measure what can't be measured in thought. You're going to be in doubt. That's what doubt is. It's the trying to wrap a thought around something it can't wrap around. There's not that much of jitter it can wrap around. So we wrap it around, what am I, what could I, what will I, what won't I? How will I, what am I supposed to do? We wrap it around anxiety. It's good at that. You try and wrap it around jitter qualities, you know, I don't know, I really feel it's kind of... Uh, I'm okay with that. Doesn't sound that impressive, does it? But in your jitta, doesn't, doesn't, the words don't go there. This is where we have to really place our, our faith, and there's something very intimate about that, very human about that. It's different people, personalities are always different. No one can really, they can help you to see your own jitta. Best, but you're the one who's sitting on it. And good people will not tell you other than that. They will not say, 
I can do this for you. They would say, you can bounce off me and see what comes up by all means. I'm willing to do that. I can suggest what seems to me about what I notice or don't notice and you can bear that in mind. But the nature of the, uh, even the teacher, so the example, the presentation on teaching is one sees someone feels interested in, inspired by maybe, you listen to them. What they say you listen to, mm -hmm. you distill the meaning. If you listen to my, these talks, if you, any given talk you might get five, five points. I might present 25, you get five, because I'm trying to cover 30 people. And, you know, scope it out. Same thing with the Buddha's teaching, it covers the whole range. You don't have to get it all on day one. You just get the bit that your jitta rises up to. Where it rises up to you, get the meaning of that. What was that? You bear it in mind, you measure it, you weigh it up, you check in with it repeatedly until you see that's that's right. Then faith arises in your own mind. Faith arises in that teacher in terms of her or his presentation. Hmm? This is a person she or he, I feel I can, I'm interested in what they're saying, I think I can get, they're touching something in language I can understand. But primarily they're encouraging me, they should be encouraging me to have faith in my own citta, with its, definitely with its blind spots, and we're going to work this out. And they're going to be saying, have careful attention. <laughs> Restrain the sense faculties. <laughs> All these <laughs> things that you've probably heard and uh, aren't always so, you know, always so pleasing. <laughs> and yet, that's from our jitta we say, yeah, because I have faith. Because that's true. That I'm going to work with that, even though my person doesn't exactly, you know, like that idea. Still, I'll do that. This is how, how we cultivate and grow. Mm. So these are the things you can... It's not difficult to find these readings. They are, even one sutta is probably, you know, one can return to many, many times. Some you just don't get at all. Some just make you feel like you're completely hopeless. They're so far out. Some just seem like, well, everybody knows that. Some have got curious, antiquated bits in them. They're like people. <laughs> and you take the bit that where your heart goes, oh yeah, I could work with that. You look at it, you review it, you consider it, you bear it in mind. And uh, this is what it says to me, and I can work with that. But um, even better, it's the, it's the good people, because you know, one can't stress it too, much, too often um, to say this is um, because you can talk to them. And they listen. Books don't. And they're able to see you specifically, which books can't. Mm -hmm. And they're able to, to, to assess 
maybe this, which books can't. Um, and th- th- this is part of the earthy beauty, in my, my understanding, of the Buddha's presentation. It comes back to just being good people. And why, you know, the Sangha itself, or Sangha, this reference is not to the Bhikkhu Sangha or the Bhikkhuni Sangha, it's to the those who practice rightly in accordance with the teachings. So, clearly, you know, there can be Aryans or people who are at least aspiring and, and picking up the Aryan virtues and the Aryan practices. So, this, you know, it's, it's the Buddha pragmatic that he was, recognized he couldn't, he wasn't going to be able to do it. But say, so, well, if you get this stuff out into human beings, there's enough of them, then they can bond together and through the cross-referencing, they can filter out their personal biases, you know, their personal likes and dislikes, their personal issues with each other, so that, yeah, that's that, but then they can find through, through that cross-referencing uh, some some truth and some direction. This is both, uh, uh, you know, powerful, also mundane, humble, also an exhortation for all of us, isn't it? And where do you meet the good people? Well, you start by being one. And then you begin to put aside the ones that are not doing you any good. A siwana. So siwana, to follow, to associate with. A siwana, to not associate with the misguided, the foolish, the people, those who are just not supporting. To withdraw doesn't mean you don't notice them, but you're not going to be following that. Uh, And so as we, in our world today, of course, we have not just the flesh and blood people, but we have a whole load of virtuals out there in the media. And uh, and some of them are not sterling examples of virtue. So they're not following, not supporting, not giving attention or support to, then supporting, being attentive to the good, be the good person, and find out when you're that in that good person, who and how do you relate, and how do these Kalyanamita uh, experiences begin to crystallise, and recognise in any group of good people we can have personal differences there will definitely be personal dissent and so certainly in terms of monastic sangha that is the ongoing experience and I want to say that's the only experience but there's bound to be that ripples of dissonance that if we're wise there's nothing that drastic or critical or crucial it's just what's inevitable we do have to have ways to accept that, allow that, and friendly enough to work through that till we come to a, a mutual understanding of truth. And it's possible. Possible. And this is the foundation for the Dhamma. 
and the enlightenment factors and liberation and knowledge. Once again, to sum up, I've made emphasis on two main areas. One is the somatic, where you can clearly know for yourself you know, where the mind gets so programmed and habituated that you don't see it. It drags you away and you don't notice it. It closes things down you didn't realise that. And opening into that, you say, oh, this is where it is. This is something different. And the other aspect is these qualities, the Brahma-Vihara, Pamana qualities that we use as our the whole atmosphere within which we live and practice. Mm-hmm. So, and again, if you're going to be trying to cultivate the good people, there's no other way you can do this than through this, through the Brahma Vihara. You can't. There's no other way you can experience good people and be good people and strengthen good people and fulfil good people other than through this. There's no, isn't any other way. There can't be any other way, can there? This must be the foundation, the basis. And then the details we work out as they come. This is the time to correct. This is the time to point out. This is the time to say, don't think that's a good idea. This is the time to say, please, yeah, you're very welcome. You know? But always with that mind of, of goodwill to yourself and to others. With this you can't really go wrong. Um, and that, where those come together, naturally there'll be a tendency to have careful attention, restrain the sense faculties, and refrain from these injurious modalities of being that we slide into. Um, from there, one should be assured enough to practice, and continue practicing. Anyone? Sandamaya no argataya sadhu karangatamase sadhu